Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Justin Box. Good to see you. Haven't been up here for a month. It's good. Longevity. It's good. Hey, um, yeah, couldn't be more perfect what Hillary was saying. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing... It's an amazing thing. So deep. 30 second pause for thing. Just let's marinate in that. Um, this whole deal about tension, like our life is in constant, continual tension. Lee, Jude and Bella have been as sick as they ever have been this week and I have been 100%. And there's no, you don't even begin to ask why because it's a stupid question. Actually, you might ask the Lord some questions around it. Um, I shouldn't say it's a stupid question. If it gets weird, then it's silly. But I'm just constantly reminded, like Hill's explanation then and is just so good that there is a list of promises. There is a, there is a list available. There is, there is this whole list that's been made available because of the cross, it's, and it's for now. But we live in this tension of the now and not yet. And I'm not saying not yet for another age or for the other side of eternity. I'm, say, I'm talking in the context of this morning and most of my language 95% of my, 98% of the language and our core beliefs and core values and everything that we, we preach, minister, communicate, articulate is, is this side of heaven. There is a great eternal hope, yay. And that's coming, yay. But we don't use that as motivation in the troubled time because God says that he is the ever-present help in time of need. He is close. He is comforter. He is healer. He is present. He is in your boat. He is on your mountain. He is in your valley. He is in your car. He is there. He's in you. Separation is an illusion. His spirit and your spirit have been made one. So we've got all this reality, this truth, which trumps the facts, but it doesn't negate the facts that we live in tension of all of that and our living reality of this is what I'm going through. So we can, in the same day, we celebrate victory over sickness and a testimony or we see something on Facebook and then we see another thing on Facebook with someone in the emergency room. And it's the same. You walk down Burke Street at 3 a.m. in the morning and you walk down that tram track in the middle and you look around and you experience what you experience through the five senses and then go and do it the next day at 3 p.m. You can't walk down the middle tram track but walk next to it and then have a look at the tension 
the difference, the seemingly the conflict of the same place, you were the same person, but 12 hours apart. We can sit on our couch, snuggled up with the fire going, with some treats on the coffee table, with the whole family celebrating life subconsciously and even consciously, and on the TV can come an ad about homelessness. And it smacks us in the face and it just screams about the tension that we live in because we're on the couch in our current reality and yet we see in our face this reality of tension. Tension screams at us and, and, and what, what the enemy wants to do, and again, he's 2% of our language here, but what will happen is the enemy jumps on the negative side of tension and the seemingly what God is not doing and the seemingly this isn't happening and this won't happen and you're not doing this and you're not doing that and he'll jump all over that and twist it and spin it around and that actually starts becoming, if we allow it to, our current truth. But there is another truth, a greater truth, a truth that trumps the facts. It's the other side of the tension, and it's the realities of God. See, we live with the now and not yet, the joy and pain, work and rest, weekends and weekdays, sunset and sunrise, green lights and red lights. Both summer and and winter, mountaintop and valley, success and failure, natural and supernatural, and guess what? That's all in the same week. <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and, and then we have the audacity to stamp the why of our church with Matthew 6.10 which is the ultimate tension, the ultimate, seat, well, the, the ultimate, what is seemingly a conflict. Jesus says, hey guys, this is how I want you to pray. This is what I want you to believe for. This is what I want you to do. I want you to have the audacity to believe that heaven can actually come to earth and transform it. I want you to pray, your kingdom come, everything that's perfect, pleasing, and all that God is wrapped up in the kingdom, I want that to come down onto the earth. And I want you to pray that my will, which is my heart's desire, simply my heart's desire, not this weird thing, what's the will of God? It means decision and desire. Yes, there's things that he didn't consult you about, creation. Yes, there's things that he didn't consult you about, the second coming of Christ. You weren't involved, you weren't, hey, Chris, what do you reckon, what time? So the word will is decision and desire. But most of the New Testament will is the word desire in the Greek, thelma, think from study, something like that, thelema, whatever. But it's this word decision and desire. So his will, when we pray his will, it's his heart's desire. And he said, I want you to pray that. But we live here on earth. And he wants us to pray heaven down. He wants heaven to come. He wants the kingdom to come. He wants his will be done. He wants every system that's put in place in an earthly way transformed so it looks like the standard and culture of heaven. 
We can have a funny picture that it's got to look like what we've been taught or told in even some non-fiction books about heaven. And we think it's got to be streets of gold stuff, but no, no, it's the value system, it's the belief system, it's the standard that's the heart of heaven that he wants to come down and be replicated. He wants it to be echoed. He wants us to imitate, that's the word echo, to imitate, to repeat what we've seen, what we've tasted, what we've smelt and touched when we encounter Jesus, we encounter his word and and we get to live that out every day. But we're living in tension. And it's a big fat elephant in the room especially with the message that we hold dear in this place, heaven to earth. It's tension. And I feel like the Lord just challenged me with this. What the key, one of the keys is, what the, what the key is for living in tension with the reality that our mandate and mission is to replicate, to echo, to repeat, to imitate what we see and experience in the word about heaven, the kingdom and his will here on earth. What is it? And it's a battle. And when we go into battle, a lot of us Christians go devil. And I'm like, yep, Ephesians 6.10, our fight is not against flesh and blood. I get that. But I really feel like the main battle is in believing. Of course, sober, vigilant, aware that he prowls around. But the, the amazing great truth is that he has for believers who have activated the promise, who have confessed in Jesus and believed in him and have changed the way they think about who God is. For believers, he's defeated, disarmed and disempowered. But it's a battle to actually believe that because of the tension we live in. Because we're all praise, happy, yeah, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Now... But tomorrow, we're back in the battle. And again, my, la- my mindset with battle now is not darts from the enemy. That's real. But guess what the, the, the plan for darts of the enemy in Ephesians? Shield of faith. What do you do with a shield? Oh. Oh, life from the enemy accusing me. It's not, ha, 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 devil under every rock. I bind you in the name of Jesus. My whole family's sick. Mm, Devil can't touch my family. Born again. Not sure why it happened. Not blaming the devil. (laughs) What was that? Uh Uh-oh. I've got a headache. Jesus. Hey, dude. Had some water today? No. Have a glass of water. Actually, have three glasses of water and then wait 10 minutes. Most of the time, you're going to be good. <laughs> Disarmed, defeated, and disempowered. Colossians 2. Let's read that. Let's know that. The battle of believing. The tension. There's good and evil. There's God and Satan. Both are a reality. But there's a greater reality to believers, and that is that he has been disarmed, disempowered, and defeated. That it even goes to say that God made a public spectacle by cancelling the written code that was against you. 
We live in tension and it's hard and difficult. It's this whole account and possession thing. All the promises have been put into your account. You've got a blank check. But what is the process to believing it so you start seeing it outworked in your life? So in the reality of all the tension, because of the cross and because of what has been made available to all those who believe and follow Jesus, I'm convinced that the real battle is actually believing. In the midst of living in tension, the battle to believe who he says he is. In the middle of tension, to actually believe that he is good. In the midst of past experience, past pain, past loss, diagnosis that we've seen, victory, um, despair. In the midst of it, are we going to, like what we did on Sunday night with Chris Gore, and put a line in the sand and say, regardless of the fire, regardless if the tension feels like it's more this side, I will not be silent, I will not be shaken because I'm anchored in a person and his name is Jesus. I can't have my anchor in an outcome. I can't have my hope in an outcome because guess what? The outcome is not a person. It's this mysterious thing that isn't actually tangible. You can't touch it. You can't see it. Yes, prophetically. Yes, with hope. We could dream. But do you know how it's exactly going to pan out? Of course we don't. So our anchor is in hope, which is the Greek is the confident eager, joyful expectation of good. That's what the word hope means. It's full, it's large, it's anchored in the person of Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Amen? So the large challenge of our day is not always and necessarily and the main thing, the enemy and his schemes because he has been disarmed, disempowered, and defeated. The real battle is believing, actually the real battle is believing that he has been defeated, disempowered, and defeated. So this morning, I wanna look at two things, two outlooks, two realities, that when we become aware of these two things, it will actually allow us to win this battle of believing. It will allow us to be process-minded people, It will enable us to embrace the journey and it will allow us to be consistent, which will inevitably result in momentum and becoming the person who can handle the dream. We're becoming the people that can handle the dream because he's put a dream in your heart, but his way of thinking is you, he wants to help you become the person so that you can handle the dream. Because the dream in your heart that he gave you is going to happen through you, not just to you. Because he's all about responsibility. He's all about empowerment. He's all about putting things in your care that you can be faithful with and watch grow and do it together. So the dreams in your heart aren't just going to be zapped on an altar. It's not just going to be, and one day you wake up and it's all peachy and amazing. But it's actually him developing you over time so you can become the person which he already sees, but he's calling it out of you, and you're becoming who you already are, but it's got to manifest. That's another tension. He sees you as faultless and blameless. Do we believe it? But I've done this. I see you as faultless and blameless. I keep no record of wrong. I'm patient and kind. Do we believe that he really is? 
but here's my list. We live in this yeah, but Christianity. Truth, yeah, but. Truth, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. No buts. Hmm. Two things. So we live in tension. The issue is believing. Because when you're in that valley, belief is critical. Which way are you going to believe? It's going to be hopeless or, no, I'm confidently expecting good. Two choices. And it's all centered in belief. Disciples said, why couldn't we do it? Oh, it's because of your unbelief. <laughs> he didn't mess around with that. Disciples said, why couldn't this guy get set free? Oh, easy. <laughs> because of your unbelief. Yeah, there's no, no, you're so good, good try, amazing. That's all true, but they weren't going to grow without some really good feedback because they had some blind spots and they needed to be shown a mirror. You don't believe. <laughs> you've seen me do all this stuff. There's great connection. You've had victory in some areas, but you actually don't believe that this guy can get set free by you with my power in you. So we've got this tension, guys. And there's two keys. So the, the battle is in believing because of the tension that we live in. So what are the, what's some two keys for us to grow in belief? We need to understand what's in your heart and what's in your hand. What is in your heart and what is in your hand? What is in your heart and what is in your hand? If we look at Daniel and Joseph, I'm not going to go into great detail about the full context, about the time. We might go into that next week and open them right up, maybe. But if we look at Daniel and Joseph, they were, they were men of God and they both found themselves in situations that they didn't put themselves in. Well, Joseph bragged a bit about a dream, <laughs> very confidently. The sun and the moon are going to bow down and I'm, a, you know, full on. There was a gift and call on him. There was a dream. There was a vision. There was God speaking to him. And, and in, in the announcement, ah, it doesn't go down too well. Brother's got a bit, ah, ah. We've got Daniel, captivity, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar. We've got Joseph, Pharaoh. I'm not going to go into, you know the story really well. But we've got these two guys. And, and, and they, had, they were living in tension because at a certain time of the day, they'd bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. They've got these, both, both, both kingdoms operated against the pattern of the kingdom. It was an ungodly era and time. It was negative. It was no good. And these godly boys found them in different times, but found themselves in these places of, what am I going to do? There's a tension in my heart with what I believe and what I'm currently experiencing. So they went on a journey, and the amazing thing is that they, they knew and discovered and understood what was in their heart, but if they didn't actually take a step back and look at the whole tension and actually commit and be aware of what's in their hand, then what was in their heart would never have come to pass. So it's in our identifying the dream, of course, in our heart, but we don't know how it's going to pan out, guys. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what day, what time, what era, what even it looks like. 
So I feel like the Lord really encouraging us today to, to ask the question, like, what's in your heart? But almost more importantly, what's in your hand? Let me open that up. What's in your hand? What, what can you do right now? Dream kind of aside. It's there. It can't be shaken. It might be a bit blurry, but that's okay. But what can you actually do? What's in your hand? We must discover what's in our hand. I just wrote some points. What can you do right now? This is what's in your hand. What can you do today without money, resource, and people? That's what's in your hand. What is in your hand is what you can control today. I'm not jumping into motivational speaking. What is it, of course, God control, trust, adhering, partnership? Yeah, we get that, 100%. But what's in your hand? What can you do? What is in your hand is your next step. What is in your hand is what you can do. We've got this beautiful um, two scriptures, Luke 19 and Matthew 25, and they both, they use different language in them. But they both talk about that there was a, a master or a vineyard owner and he was going on a journey and he entrusted, let's go with Matthew 25, five talents, two talents and one talent to people. And the crazy amazing thing is at the start of the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like. So it's a beautiful picture of, of the kingdom. This is how the kingdom works. And, and he gave five talents and he gave two talents and he gave one talent and the beautiful thing about it is according to their ability. He doesn't put anything on you that you can't do. So the one talent had to be okay with one because he knew one's ability. And we can't compare. Let's not compare if we're a five or a one. We get weird. I'm a five, you're a one. You're no good. Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's just be aware that we've been given different responsibilities. We've got different makeups. We've got different, the way we're wired. So he, he went away and he came back. And it says the five put it to work, the two put it to work, and the one buried it in the ground because he perceived him to be a harsh taskmaster and he, and he was fearful that he'd lose the one, so he buried it in the sand and was almost happy. Here's your one. And he, the master was really ticked off. He said, hey, at least put it in the bank so I can get some interest on it because he was shrewd. And, and, and the, one that, the one, this is the classic thing, he took that one off the one and he gave it to the guy that doubled his five into ten. And I love this picture. And he's like, faithful with little, faithful with much. In Luke 19, it says, because you've been faithful with this, you're going to be in charge of ten cities. So I want to ask this question, what's in your heart, but what's in your hand? Because we can have the dream in our heart, but if we don't know what's in our hand, that dream stays a dream. But if we put our hand to work and we don't have a dream, we're just idle and fumbling and bumbling and we don't know where we're heading. So these two have got to work together, identifying the dream. It's okay if it's blurry. It's, it's actually probably a bit it's better to be a little blurry. Sort of like this. I sort of feel called to this. So the two have to work together. And we're, 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 we're going hard after the heart stuff with, as a church, we're going on the discover your why journey, which is going to help us identify through prophetic words, through promises, and through this course, we're going to collate the three and we're going to come to a point where we actually know our why. 
We're going to know the things in our heart. And I encourage you and challenge you for those not doing the school to jump on board because this is going to be the filter for serving, for, for leadership, knowing what's our why, knowing what's in our heart. So if we, do, if we discover our why, if we discover our heart and we know what's in our heart, then it empowers us to actually know what's in our hand and apply it. What's in your hand, what's in your heart? Here's a, just a couple of practical examples. So what can you do? Just begin to ask the Lord, like, what can I do? Just, just a, a practical example, what's in your heart? Healings, in my, just, well, it's in my heart, so that's, that's good. It's one of the things in there. My heart is that I would be contacted by, I'm okay with everyone I know. Um, I have to manage that. <laughs> I have to steward that, maybe get a PA for healing. Um, but something that's in my heart is, is healing. I'll say prophetic, actually, because I think that's burning a little more, whatever. But is to actually, um, in humility and with the right motive, um, continually grow in hearing things about other people that no one could have known on the planet. No Google search engine could have found it. Like, deep things. Like we look at um, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, um, prophecy, like the secrets of their heart were revealed and they fall down and worship God. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, 26. That's my heart, is that people feel loved, seen, and known by God through an encouraging word that he spoke to me and I gave to them. So what do I do? That's in my heart. So what do I do? What's in my hand? What's in my hand is I can go on Amazon and, and buy a book on the prophetic and read it, tell someone else about it, and ask the Lord what he wants me to do out of those notes. What's in my hand? Because the prophetic's in my heart. What's in my hand? It's super, what's, in, what's in your hand is crazy, crazily practical. It's going through the Bible and looking at all prophetic scriptures. It's going through the Old Testament and looking at the prophets and how they ministered. The difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. Understanding the difference. If Elijah, Elisha was in the New Testament, his prophetic ministry would look completely different because he wouldn't call down famines and wars. Because it's to reveal every prophetic word in the New Testament is redemptive. So we need to understand. So you'd, you'd go on a journey and steward what you can. You'd go through your prophetic words that are on your phone. You'd, you'd pay someone or you would actually yourself um, put them on paper and put them in a book. So there's no chance that you, you've got, the, the, and put them on the computer, saved on a book and you're in your phone. So you're stewarding. That's practical. Prophetic's in your heart, but what's in your hand? What's in your hand is what you can do. No, without money, without resource, without all the things, what can you do? It's exciting. It's exciting. If that's in your heart, guess what? Go and buy some paint. Have a chat with Ken. Read some books about it. Ken's got a great book that will give you some more context about it. You'll hear testimonies. You'll hear testimonies like when Teresa Dedman, Chad's mum, was painting. And in worship, she felt like she was painting. Um, uh, there was an ocean and she put a brick wall in front of it. And there was a tsunami warning going to hit Fiji. And it was within like 10 minutes of the painting that the tsunami warning stopped. I'm not sure if I believe that. <laughs> it's a battle of believing. 
But what's in your hand? Healing, what's in your hand? Pray for people. Read books on healing. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at, look at, look at it through Jesus. He's perfect theology. If, if our theology does not have Jesus in it, you've got to question your theology. If Jesus isn't the center of what you believe and the context, then you've got to question what you believe. Paul said, I imitate me as I imitate Christ. What's in your heart? What's in your hand? Here's some other things that, that, that um, Time Magazine did a thing. It was a really cool, you can Google it. Um, what are 10 things that you can do without anyone? What, 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 what are you in control of? What can you do without anything? What can you control? This is, what you, this is what's in our hand. We can be on time. Work ethic, effort, body language, energy, attitude, passion, being teachable and coachable, doing extra, being prepared. I mean, if you did those just at your workplace, you'd be promoted in three months. <laughs> Let's say six. I guarantee six. I guarantee six. If you apply those 10 things, consistent, because that's a core belief of our church, consistency, been talking about it for 18 months, nothing will happen without consistency. So if, if we do those 10 things consistently, without hurry up, <clears throat> patience, he's in the waiting, he's so present in your process, he's so, there's something to gain out of today, even though today's not where you want to be. Oh, it's so good. Tash, can you get up? be so good if you got up and just did something. Um, just played. So oh, you weren't playing. Whatever. Um, do you want to play? Be so good. Yeah, he is present. He's so present in your waiting. Sorry, mate. Um, he's so present in our waiting. He know he put the things in your heart, but he wants to empower the things in your hand. If we can be consistent in the things in our hand, then the things in our heart will come to pass. Oh, it's it's... It is, he wouldn't have put, he's not, a, he's not a teaser. He doesn't give his heart in pieces. He doesn't give us things to tease us. He doesn't dangle a carrot and pull it away. He, he's a good father. He, he won't give you a rock if you ask for bread. Like he is a good father and he want, he's putting himself on display. Jesus came to put the father on display. If we could sum up the life of Jesus and what he did, he was revealing a good father. 